0: To the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive. Yesterday, you got a little rantings about the Jets and the best case scenario for the Jets—not for the Bills, but for the Jets in 2020—and the worst case scenario for the Jets. In 2020 and today we're going to do best and worst case scenarios for the Patriots and the Dolphins. That's more than enough waffling. Let's dive right into things for the Patriots. The best case scenario for them in 2020 involves the following factors. 2020 Cam Newton is better than Tom Brady in 2019. That would ideally Be part of the best case scenario for the Patriots for 2020. Now, for the purposes of this discussion, we are going to assume that the best case scenario for the New England Patriots does not involve them losing as many games as humanly possible to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or a particular North Dakota State quarterback that you're going to be hearing quite a bit about. And that's Trey Lance. But we're specifically talking about the best case for this year. Not necessarily the best case for the future. So I'm leaving out all the Tanking for Trevor kind of theories that are floating their way out there. And the first aspect is that Cam Newton 2020 is better than Tom Brady in 2019. Now, in 2019, Tom Brady was okay. He was okay. He was still a good quarterback. He wasn't the Tom Brady of old. But In this best case scenario, Cam Newton is better able to take advantage of Josh McDaniel's system with the lack of significant playmakers than Tom Brady was. The New England Patriots were last in the league in average distance of separation at time of target, which means their receivers were not helping Tom much last year. And if you have a quarterback who can do some of the things that Cam Newton can do from a mobility standpoint, maybe you can shake some things loose in a way that Tom Brady couldn't. Because the New England Patriots didn't make a lot of additions to their offensive skill positions in the offseason. They did make a couple. We're going to talk about how they might be important later. But the best case scenario is that Josh McDaniels is able to manipulate his system similarly to the way he did with Tim Tebow to be able to have a scenario where the lack of skill positions doesn't harm Cam Newton as much as it harmed Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, at the best of times, was not the best athlete in the world. But we do know that Josh McDaniels can call plays with a mobile quarterback. We know he can incorporate some read option stuff. We just never bothered to see any of it from the New England Patriots because Tom Brady is not a threat to run the ball. So part of the best case scenario is that Cam Newton in 2020 ends up being better for the team than Tom Brady was in 19. That doesn't mean Cam Newton's better than Tom Brady in the scenario. It means that he's a better fit, given the other dynamics at play, for the New England Patriots. The next part of the best-case scenario for the Patriots in 2020 is that the first half of 2019 was the real Patriots defense. Will the real Patriots defense please stand up? Because the first half of 2019, people were using the H-word when describing the New England Patriots defense, that being historic. And then down the stretch, they didn't perform as well, including giving up 27 points to the Miami Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick in Week 17 in an absolutely must-win game. This will become more difficult due to the opt-outs of Donta Hightower and Patrick Chung and the departure of Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins in free agency. But... Belichick has always had a defense that has been able to be successful due to versatility and scheme. And they still have Stefan Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, regardless of whether or not you as Bills fans like to hear it. They still have him. And when you have a player of that caliber, you can do a lot of things on defense that other teams might not be able to do. So in this best case scenario, the first half of 2019 was the real Patriots defense, and they just struggled down the stretch. In this next base case scenario, the interior offensive line wasn't a product of Dante Scarnecchia and Tom Brady. Tom Brady, due to his processing speed and doing, due to his actually really strong pocket mobility. Now, we've talked about Tom Brady not being a great athlete just a few minutes ago. However, Tom Brady's ability to manipulate the pocket and move just enough to give his offensive lineman every possible advantage in protecting him, and Dante Scarnecchia, being the GOAT when it comes to offensive line coaching, both of those factors are not here anymore. Which means that interior offensive line for the Patriots that we talk about so highly, Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney, David Andrews, we're going to find out this year if it's really their talent or if a significant part of it was Tom Brady and Dante Skarnecchia. Now, I do think that those three players are very, very good. I do think so. But in the best-case scenario, they prove that their talent was enough to anchor that offensive line, and it was not a product of Dante Skarnecchia and Tom Brady. The last thing that the Patriots need to go right, they need to be the factor that really sets them apart, to get a best case scenario in 2020 is that the draft picks that they utilized in the 2020 NFL draft are able to contribute immediately. Specifically, their top draft picks, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uch, Anthony Jennings, Devin Asiasi, Dalton Keene, and Justin Warwasher. Justin Warwasher, the kicker from Marshall, had the distinction of being the first character that was picked in the 2020 NFL Draft that I had not had any idea who he was. Then when they picked him, I said, I don't know who that is. So, didn't do any work on the kicker. Had no idea who that was. It's a fun little game my wife and I play every single year where we go, let's see how long Bruce can go until he doesn't recognize the draft pick. Well, there you go. It was the Patriots this year. Thanks a lot, Belichick. Ruined my streak. Whatever. Anyway, Kyle Duggar playing that versatile piece is now going to be even more important with Patrick Chung gone. Josh Uch and Anfernee Jennings. You know that I liked Anfernee Jennings coming out. We talked about this pre-draft. I actually liked him a little bit better than his fellow Alabama counterpart as a pass rusher. I felt that Anthony Jennings had some Shaq Lawson sort of traits to him. And that fits. Ironically enough, we're going to talk about Shaq Lawson later today when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. But those kind of traits have a tendency to fit in a New England Patriots-style defense. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene are interesting because I think what you're going to see from the Patriots this year is a lot of 12 personnel. Remember, they lost their fullback. I think you see a lot of 12 personnel. I think you're going to see Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi on the field more than you might think, especially considering their starting tight end was one of the many people who opted out for the Patriots. And they're going to be a power running team to kind of lessen the blow on Cam Newton with a lot of read option and RPO work to create windows for Cam Newton to throw the ball into. Remember, Cam Newton did well with that stuff when North Turner became the offensive coordinator in Carolina and Cam Newton kind of had, I don't want to say a resurgence because he wasn't like a bad quarterback, but he kind of had a turnaround to his career was really performing well up until he got hurt in that system. So I think you're going to see that as an offensive sort of style from the Patriots this year. But tight ends, we talked about this with Dawson Knox. Tight end is a really, really difficult position to come in and make an immediate impact in the NFL. But in this best-case scenario, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uch, Anthony Jennings, they're able to contribute on the defense and make up for the loss of Kyle Van Noy, make up for the loss of Patrick Chung, make up for the loss of Dunta Hightower but Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene are able to help them give an offensive identity that helps them build a system around Cam Newton. Sony Michelle, James White, Cam Newton, Julian Edelman, Devin Asiasi, Dalton Keene. Those are your significant players. And Justin Rohrwasher can come in and be that long-term kicker that the Patriots have had luck finding. They went straight from Adam Vinatieri right into Steven Goskowski and now right into Justin Rohrwasser. The Patriots are to kickers what the Packers and the Colts are to quarterbacks. It's kind of unfair, you know? The Colts went straight from Peyton Manning right into Andrew Luck. The Packers went straight from Brett Favre into Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots do that with kickers. They went straight from Adam Vinatieri into Steven Goskowski. Kicker for a decade, kicker for a decade. <laughs> Just plug and play what we hope Tyler Bass can be for the Buffalo Bills. Those are the things that make up the best case scenario for the Patriots in 2020. The worst case scenario for the Patriots in 2020 is that the first and most important thing is it was more Brady than Belichick. This is what is the fear for every Patriots fan, whether they tell you they have this fear or not. Their fear was they struck gold with Brady and Belichick by himself is not good enough to get you there. Having the goat plus the goat got you there, but just having a great coach, not good enough. Or maybe if bigger fear, Bill Belichick isn't that great of a coach. First off, I think he is a good coach. I think that his defensive scheming, which has nothing to do with Brady at all. We've established when we talked about Quinn's not being a quarterback stat, that quarterbacks don't have an effect on the result of the play. When they're not on the field, obviously. So all the benefits that Bill Belichick has brought to that defense year over year and been able to take away the things that you do well and the assistance that Brady has gotten from his defense, that's all Belichick. So I think Belichick's a good coach regardless. But what if that's not enough? What if the difference between Belichick by himself and Belichick with Brady is the difference between being a reasonable team and being a dynasty? In which case, it was more Brady than Belichick. That's the worst case scenario. It was more Brady than Belichick. Brady made the offensive line look good. Brady made the skill positions look better. And in the light of day, with Brady removed, you look over this roster and go, this is not a talented roster. This is not a talented roster at all. And that's problematic. That's the worst case scenario. The front and center thing on every Patriots fan's mind is it was more Brady than Belichick, and now that he's gone, we're not going to be any good. The talent efficiency, the loss of Van Noy, Jamie Collins, having opt outs is going to be exposed now that I don't have Tom Brady to make things look better than they are. The second thing is that the skill positions. Don't come around. Worst case scenario is Enkeel Harry doesn't come around. Now you guys know I was not a huge Enkeel Harry fan coming out of college. I used the phrase late stage Des Bryant to describe Enkeel Harry. A contestant catch guy who's a good contested catch guy but doesn't have the ability to separate. I'm not a fan of wide receivers who are good at contested catches and that's the only thing they do. Because contested catches look great for highlight reels, but they don't often offer your offensive abilities any sort of efficiency. They're good for a highlight reel moss catch now and then. They're good for someone going, oh, I'm about to end this man's whole career. They'll offer you some benefits to that. But highlights don't make offensive efficiency, they don't make offensive effectiveness. Ask Calvin Benjamin how that worked out for him. If that's the only thing you do, you're not going to have a long career in this league. So worst case scenario is, in, Carol, in Keel Harry is that. Which would be bad for the New England Patriots. Good for the Bills, but bad for the New England Patriots. Julian Edelman's injuries start to catch up with him. Sony Michel doesn't recapture his 2018 form. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene don't make the contributions you need them to make early on. And the defense isn't able to carry you because the skill positions aren't able to give Cam Newton enough help. And that brings you to the last worst case scenario, which is that Cam Newton's broken. Cam Newton's foot injuries, his shoulder injuries, they start to catch up to him, and he's simply not the same player he used to be. His throwing is awkward. He's just not the guy anymore that he used to be. In which case, he might still be better than the alternative for the Patriots. You guys know I'm not a huge fan of who the Patriots had lined up. Jared Stidham is not my guy by any means. But those are the worst case scenarios for the New England Patriots in 2020. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins best and worst case scenarios for 2020 as we wrap up our preview series entitled Know Thy Enemy Stick Around. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We're going to dive right into it. We said know thy enemy for the Jets yesterday. We have known thy enemy for the Patriots before the break. And now we're going to know thy enemy for the Miami Dolphins for 2020. The best case scenario for the Miami Dolphins in 2020 involves these factors. The first, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Shane Gailey are able to recapture that beautiful, sweet music that they had in Buffalo and that they had in the New York Jets organization. But now, they have probably more talent. Devontae Parker has shown at the end of 2019 to have good chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They injected some talent into that offense. They brought in Jordan Howard. They added some pieces because we remember the Miami Dolphins leading rusher last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick. They added Matt Breida from the 49ers, who I think is still not talked about enough as an interesting piece to that Miami offense. So the best case scenario is Fitz and Gailey are able to recapture what they had. And Shane Gailey is able to manufacture some of that wonderful screen pass music that he made with Ryan Fitzpatrick during his time with the Jets, during his time with the New York Jets. Another best case scenario is that Tua takes over because he's good, not because Fitz is bad. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick, personally, perfectly reasonable quarterback. Tua just shows out in practice so much that they make the change in the bye week. He's too good to keep off the field. That is ideally the best reason to have a quarterback take over for a starter like Ryan Fitzpatrick. You would prefer not to have a quarterback fall on his face. That ends up being what happens. But ideally, you would not like to have that happen as an organization. You'd like to have your rookie develop at such a pace that you can't keep him off the field anymore. But that's not what end up happening because these bridge quarterbacks are bridge quarterbacks for a reason. You know what happens when you have a quarterback who's really good in front of a rookie, a high rookie that you're expecting to take the field? They end up sitting for three years like Aaron Rodgers. But that's not what happens. You have Tyrod Taylor, or you have Chad Henney, or Nate Peterman. You have someone ahead of that quarterback who is a bridge quarterback for a reason. It's because they're not good enough to be a preferred starter. So ideally, what happens is that Tua takes over for Ryan Fitzpatrick because two is so good, not because Ryan Fitzpatrick tanks out. That's the best case scenario for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. So, the next thing that is the best case scenario is that the free agent class that the Miami Dolphins brought in win on potential. So Shaq Lawson... And Eric Flowers have something in common, and that's they were both first round picks who looked like complete and utter busts very early in their career. Shaq, due to shoulder injuries and the fact that he was miscast as a 3-4 outside freaking linebacker in Rex Ryan's defense, I'll never forgive Rex Ryan for casting Shaq Lawson in that role. Are you kidding me? Did you watch any of his film? Anyway, when Sean McDermott came in, that's when we knew Shaq Lawson would start to turn the corner, and he did. Eric Flowers was a huge bust at tackle and had kind of a redemptive season last year at guard. Is this the beginning for Eric Flowers starting to find his natural position at guard? Or was it a flash in the pan? For Shaq Lawson, if you give him more snaps, because that was something Shaq even himself talked about on social media, is that he was a rotational defensive end. Imagine what I could have done, he said, with more percentage of the snaps. And maybe he'll get that in Miami. But a best case scenario piece for the Miami Dolphins is that the free agents that they got capture the potential that comes along with being first round picks. Now, the Dolphins signed Kyle Van Noy as well. And this is a different piece. The reason it's a different piece is because we've seen Patriots linebackers go elsewhere and not have the same success. We saw it from Vrabel, we saw it from Jamie Collins. When he left and went to the Browns and wasn't the same player, because Belichick has been able to get good production out of his linebackers. So, the ideal situation for the Dolphins is that Kyle Van Noy isn't Jamie Collins. He's able to succeed outside the Belichick defense. Now, there's a reason for optimism there, because if you remember correctly, Brian Flores comes from the Bill Belichick school of defense. So, if Kyle Van Noy is going to be able to succeed anywhere outside Belichick, it would seem reasonable that Brian Flores would be a place where he'd be able to do it. So the best case scenario is Van Noy is able to be a versatile piece for Brian Flores the same way that he was a versatile piece for Bill Belichick. The next best case scenario for the Dolphins is that their secondary is as advertised. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Noah Ebenogany. I am jealous. I am jealous of that cornerback trio. Tredavious White, I believe, is better than all three of them, but I don't think the group of Tredavious White, Josh Norman, and Saran Neal, or Tredavious White, Josh Norman, and Taron Johnson is better than the group of Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Noah Egbenogany. That is, my, in my opinion, a good defensive cornerback room. Big fan. But they've invested a lot. That's a first-round pick and two really big contracts. That's a significant investment. It needs to come through for the Dolphins. And in the best-case scenario, it does. They're able to lock down coverage and scheme pressure, which is kind of a Belichickian theory. This idea that coverage is more important than pass rush. I hate to say it, but Bill Belichick and I have that in common. But you're able to lock down on the back end and then scheme up pressure. In the best-case scenario, all three of those players live up to the capital that was invested in them, whether that is through dollars or through draft picks. Best-case scenario for the Dolphins next is that Austin Jackson lives up to his athleticism quickly. I was not an Austin Jackson guy. I was not a huge fan. Watch Austin Jackson against A.J. Epinesa in the bowl game. I made a one of my favorite tweets, I think. Sometimes I make myself laugh because... You know, there's no one out there to laugh at me, so sometimes I I laugh at myself. Charles Davis said that the battle between Austin Jackson and A.J. Epinesa in the USC-Iowa Bowl game was, quote, a battle of mastodons, unquote. And he made that comment when I was watching the Senior Bowl. And I, quote, tweeted that on Twitter and said, if it was a battle of mastodons, then A.J. Epinesa wasn't in this extension level event because that's what happened. See, I'm, I'm making myself laugh. You have to make yourself laugh in life, guys. If you don't laugh at yourself, who else is going to? Seriously, I don't think it's weird to laugh at your own jokes at all. However you get laughter is good by you. But A.J. Epinesa absolutely ate his lunch. And I don't think A.J. Epinesa isn't a super dynamic athlete for the defensive end position. We've established this already. So a superior athlete, which Austin Jackson is, really struggled against a less-than-superior athlete across from him. Imagine how he's going to fare against elite defensive ends on the athleticism scale in the NFL. But in Dolphin's best-case scenario, Austin Jackson is able to utilize that athleticism quickly, and he is able to make an impact much earlier than a project offensive lineman necessarily should. A lot of people thought Austin Jackson was not ready to play right away. I was one of them. But he might play right away. And if he does, using the athleticism to kind of get by until you get the technique down, that is the best case scenario for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. The last best case scenario for the Dolphins in 2020 is Jakeem Grant ends up being more than just a returner. I think Jakeem Grant has a shot to be an impactful player for the Miami Dolphins in Chang'e Lee's offense. Because that wheels, the wheels on that boy, the wheels on the bus go round and round, ladies and gentlemen. And if CJ Spiller was able to have a dynamic year, I understand CJ Spiller was a running back and Jakeem Grant's a wide receiver. But if CJ Spiller was able to have his best year in tunnel screens and running to space in the Chang Gailey offense, I think Gailey can utilize Jakeem Grant. He has often said himself, Jakeem Grant did, that he's more than just a returner. Well, if you're going to prove it, Chang Gailey's offense might be a place where you can prove it. Now, on to the worst-case scenarios for the Miami Dolphins. The first worst-case scenario is that Eric Flowers and Shaq Lawson were mirages. They were underwhelming first-round talents who showed little bit of promise, but will never live up to the contracts that you gave them. They will be reasonable players, but they will be sucking up salary space for a long time. One of the worst things you can do as a franchise is give give okay players elite contracts. That's one of the worst things you can do. Because you can find okay players similarly for a lot cheaper in the middle rounds of the NFL draft. One of the reasons why it's important to draft well is so that you can get away with not playing okay players great contracts. Play great players on your team and then pay them Great contracts, but don't pay okay players, great contracts. And worst case scenario is that's what happened with Flowers and Shaq. Another worst case scenario is simply the inverse of an above best case scenario. And that is that Kyle Van Noy is not able to be utilized in such a way to get effectiveness out of him the way that he was in New England. Even though Flores is from the Bill Belichick school, as Romeo Cornell was, as Eric Mangini was. They're not able to get the same level of production from Kyle Van Noy. And he ends up not being that versatile, important piece for Miami the way that he was for New England. The last worst case scenario for the Miami Dolphins is that Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt or is ineffective before Tua is ready to play. Which means Tua is then forced into service earlier than you'd like him to be. One of the benefits of having Ryan Fitzpatrick, instead of having Nate Peterman, instead of having Chad Henney, is that there's a reasonable chance that he plays well enough to keep Tua on the bench long enough for Tua to be able to learn the system really well, which means that the transition can be more seamless when he comes on the field. But if that doesn't happen, if Fitzpatrick gets hurt or is woefully ineffective so early on that you're forced to put Tua Tungavailoa in earlier than you would like him to be, that can create some problems. And the Miami Dolphins don't want to have that happen. Miami Dolphins can be competitive in 2020, but I don't think this is really a team built for 2020. I think it's a team built for 2021. And you don't want to throw Tua out there too early. So those are the best and worst case scenarios for the Dolphins in 2020. We are done with this series. We spent yesterday on it. We spent today on it. I'm not gonna tell you what's coming next week because I'm working on a couple things. I know what's on the schedule, but you know, I can be a little flexible. I can be flexible. I've been doing yoga. I have not experienced the ability to stretch my arms and legs to immaculate lengths or breathe fire, which is disappointing because that's you know false advertising by Street Fighter 2. But I have been doing yoga. I'm flexible. And something came to me last week when I was doing the Josh Allen is not Mitchell Trubisky pod. And I thought, gosh, that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll do that next week. I'm not sure. We'll see. So I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do next week. But there are some things happening. I'm going to be some other places in your podcast feed as well next week. So keep an ear open. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.